WKDW 97.5 Northport Real Community Radio. This is Pets Teach Us So Much. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pets Teach Us So Much Radio. Everett and Everett here. I'm Robin Everett. And I'm Joseph Everett. We are animal advocates, pet lifestyle experts, and pet trendologists, bringing you the best pet news and celebrity gossip. Today on our show, we have two fantastic guests. Michael Hingson, he's going to talk about his journey with his dog, his guide dog, during 9-11. He was in the towers, and he's going to tell us how he escaped with his dog and talk about his book. Also, we have Nancy Hassel. Now, Nancy is the founder and and president of the American Pet professionals. She's going to talk to us about the importance of buying made in the USA. Plus, we have interesting animal news from around the world. (laughs) Now, if you think your little fur baby is sick, realize that our show is for informational purposes only. Get professional veterinary help immediately. Yes, take your pet to the vet if you think he or she is sick. Thanks so much for the reminder, Joseph. But we have tons of other info today, too. Lots for dog lovers and for cat lovers and for... Who, who, owl lovers. Owl lovers. Yes. But that's a wise choice. (laughs) (laughs) If you're into Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest, find us at TPPCTV or check out... uh, our groovy group on Facebook. It's the Pet Lover Crew. Like us and join in the fun. Comment on the show on our page. We would love to hear from you. If you have news or you would like to be on our show, send an inquiry to info at tppc.tv. Thank you, Joseph. Now, we have our very fun and popular game back, the game that everyone loves. It's time. Everyone? Yes, everyone, including you. You love it. Go ahead, tell them you love it. I love it. (laughs) It's a game called True or Poe. It's where you in the audience participate and test your knowledge on dogs. Now, let's start with the first question. The first question should go to our producer, Joe the Oldies Guy. All right, Joe. Let's see if we could do it. You're either going to choose true or... Or poo. You're playing too. The two of you together. We'll see a collective voice. So is it true or is it poo? Besides their owners finding them cute, short-nosed dogs are more affectionate and make better guard dogs than long-nosed dogs. True or poo? Poo. I think it's poo too. So we have two for poo? Two for poo. Well, guess what? It's true. Really? A new study has suggested... Uh, that, in fact, it is true that short-nosed dogs are more affectionate and make better guard dogs. Now, this came out in the PLOS-1 report, the journal, and animal welfare experts are concerned about the evidence that such dogs suffer health effects. So there's a lot going on here. So now let's take the next question, see how you do. It is amazing that these little dogs have flat faces. But is it true or poo that the flatter the face, 
the more likely the dog is to actually have breathing problems. Oh, that's an easy one. That's true. an easy one for me. True. Yes. We have two truths There's and you're no poo possibly in that one. <laughs> you're both correct. It is interesting though that if people accept short skull dogs, they say they're likely to cost more when you have one of these uh, breeds because they do suffer health problems and they die earlier. And they say that um, you know you you think they look cute and a lot of the short nosed breeds are becoming very popular, but there are definitely disadvantages to owning them. Now this is a super tricky question. I'm just giving you the heads up. Poo. <laughs> no, Joseph, I didn't read it yet. There are more than 500 recorded dog breeds of all shapes and sizes, ranging from chihuahuas that are just 20 centimeters high and 2 kilograms in weight to Newfoundlands that can reach 70 centimeters and weigh 60 kilograms. True or poo? What say you? I'm going to go true. True. Two trues. Well, actually, there are 400 recorded dog breeds. So a little bit under the five. That, oh. was, that was a trick. <laughs> she was said a... recorded. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That one was a little tricky. But, um, yeah, there are, I mean... Let's face it, there are a lot of dog breeds out there, so you could definitely find a dog that suits your needs. Two more questions, and we'll wrap it up going into the final round here. In a previous study of 8,000 dogs, it was found that small dogs are more likely to be aggressive, unruly, and prone to humping compared to larger dogs. <laughs> True or poo? I'd say that's a true one. Yeah, the little ones like to... You both... <laughs> don't, say no more, Joseph. Stop. Stop right there. Yes, that actually is true. The little ones like to hug you a little bit more <laughs> than the big ones. Especially around the ankles. Okay, okay. Stop and put your pencils down. That is actually true. Uh, small dogs are more likely to be aggressive and really and prone to humping behaviors compared to larger dogs. I want to know how, like, what did they do for that study? You know what I mean? How did they figure out that information? Well, they went down and interviewed each of those little dogs. <laughs> and your last question, gentlemen, and audience at home. The latest study found short-nosed dogs were more likely to be affectionate and follow commands than dogs with pointy faces. They were also more likely to chase a toy being lured around the ground, which meant they would be easier to train. Oh, I'm going to go true because a little chihuahua is like that. Split. Yeah, well, what about an English bulldog? Well, that, that's a short nose. Yeah. yeah. So that's not a pug, you know. That is true. So was it poo? Uh, it, is, it is actually true. I thought so. See, that's the first one that the Joes disagreed on. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Disagreeing Joes on that one. It is actually uh, found to be true that short-nosed dogs are more likely to be affectionate. Only because Philomena is a, a men pen. It's mm -hmm. got some, she has some dachshund in her, and she's got Thank the long know. snoot. Yep. Are you worried about my boogers again? No, why? Am I doing snoot? Yeah. No, I'm doing the snoot of the dog. Oh, because... Not your snoot. Not you have something in your snoot. Because no, you're not I'm a short-nosed breed. I'm six foot four, and you're always looking up my nose and worrying about my boogies. It is true. 
That is true, not poo, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> of course you can see him back there. If you're not... <laughs> well, when you're five anyway, what do you anyway, expect? <laughs> anyway, it was true, right? It is true. Okay. So in conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, this new study has shown that while the issue is, while snub-nosed pooches might be more fun to be with and make better guard dogs, there is growing concern over their health. So something to consider if you are considering adopting or buying. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Producer Joe. Joe. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Okie dokie. Now, we have to get on to our product of the week, Joseph. Product of the week is the calming coat. This is the American Kennel Club coat. It is an anti-anxiety and calming coat for your dog. It's easy to wear, not that I've worn one. It's machine washable, safe, and drug-free. So you're not going to try this on like you tried the treats last week? I am thinking about how I could wrap it around myself, but I don't think it'll fit. Um, they are really good for dogs that get nervous in thunderstorms, hyperactivity, loud noises, fireworks, traveling, and some have anxiety when crating. We've had a couple shows in regards to a couple veterinary uh, professionals and, and dog specialists saying that they do work. Yeah, I mean, it's an alternative because it's very difficult if you have a dog that suffers from anxiety, so check out the common coat. Well, being that our two little dogs grew up on the Jersey Shore and there was always fireworks every week, they were kind of desensitized because of every weekend being puppies. They were always with us with the boom-booms going off. Well, Chai used to go outside and watch him with you. Right. Chai would sit out there while you were traveling. I would be out there and watch, and we'd walk down to the beach, and she'd be like with those big globy eyes. (laughs) Watching the fireworks going up. She really would watch. And she did then, when you were fire chief and we would um, stay on the deck sometimes, she would look up. She would like it. She'd be like, yeah, She liked riding it. She rode an engine one with the air horns and siren going. (laughs) In that crazy city, she went on multiple calls. She loved it. She she is definitely a tough little chihuahua, that's for sure. Now, um, oh, I just wanted to to talk about... um, this local story there was a baby whale that was stranded oh. um locally and i speak whale <laughs> do you speak whale? <laughs> i don't know how big the whale audience is but they definitely you know some people might have whales over for the holidays well that was just letting the whales know i'm whale friendly okay and if they need anything just give me a call on my whale phone the, the whale phone. Yes. And when it rings, what does it sound it like? It has an app. Oh, it has an app. An app for whale translation? It translates to English for me so I can understand. That is tremendous. But you I, do only know, I only know a few things in whale. Like the greetings and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Um, <laughs> so this little whale, Baba, had washed up, and they did try to save him. This was on uh, Gasparilla Island. But, you know, shout out to the rescuers. You cannot save yes. every animal, but you certainly try. And they did get the uh, appropriate authorities out there. Moat Marine was there. And, you know, we know you guys, it's easy to get fatigued, rescue fatigue. We've talked about it before, but just hang in there and, and props for trying. We had a rescue in our own backyard this week. 
We did, didn't we? <laughs> Going after the little duckly. The little duck had yeah. an injured wing. Who was the co- who was the agency that came in? I think it was the you know, the, the one in Venice here. Yeah, Venice Wildlife. Yeah, that we've been trying to get them to come on the show here. Yeah, yeah, and they were here trying to. Uh, it was a, I think it was a duck with an injured wing. Yeah. But he did pretty good. He flew away from him. Yeah, he wasn't all that hurt. He saw that giant net coming on that long pole. He said, "Yeah, oh no, I'm out of here. I'm not. I'm okay, guys. I'm, I'm out of here." <laughs> Thank you, Joseph. Uh, let's talk quickly about um, squid. Okay. So. Calamar. <sighs> Joseph, not calamar. I mean, come on, squid. Although, yes, some of these are actually <laughs> calamar. Um, there's been a rise in squid in the ocean. And, you know, we, from time to time, talk about the ocean because it's so disconcerting what's going on in the pollution and the bags and the plastics and all this. So, there are lots of squids out there and giant squids. And they said that the cephalopods... Do you remember where cephalopods are from? Yes. Men in black? Yes. <laughs> cephalopods. That their numbers... Well, one was delivered. Uh, Will Smith delivered one. Yes, he did deliver he a cephalopod. around his face Yes. <laughs> that um, they're growing in numbers in the ocean. And, you know, there were all those... From time to time, you see the pictures of the giant squids that are in the ocean. It's the one washes up or something. But they said that this isn't all good news because they're very dominant. The squids just, you know, they'll take over. Wow. And that they're nervous about the balance in the ocean. So is it turning into an invasive species then? Not really, but they're saying that their numbers are growing at an alarming rate. So okay. there's probably uh, an imbalance somewhere, um, which I thought was interesting. And also, you know, they do try to eat sperm whales. Those giant squids, a sperm whale is gigantic. Are you serious? Yes, they have found sperm whales. Wait a minute. There's a squid big enough to swallow a sperm yeah. whale? Yeah, there's a 50-footer in here. That's it. I'm not swimming in the ocean anymore. <laughs> not, and you know what else is, is so, like, wanting? That's scary. Look at their eyes. They have human eyes, these big squids. Look, wow. the big eyeballs staring at you. Yeah. That's amazing. So, um, let's, it, it is that time, Joseph, to uh, bring on Michael. So our next guest is Michael Hankson. Now, Michael uh, went to work for a company called Quantum. It's a high-tech company that manufactures tape backup systems in, in New York. It was uh, actually occupying the 78th floor of Tower One of the World Trade Center. On September 11th, 2001, Michael and his guide dog, Roselle, had just arrived and settled in to work when American Airlines Flight 11 crashed into their building in, an, in the terrorist attack that destroyed the World Trade Center. They survived the initial impact, and after descending 78 flights of the stairs, Michael and Roselle were just 100 yards away from Tower 2 when, they, when it actually collapsed. So welcome to the show, Michael. Hi, Michael. Hi, Warrior. I'm doing well. Hello to everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. Now, can you please give us a little uh, brief synopsis of your story? Well, in addition to what you said, as, as you indicated, I've worked for Quantum. I was the Mid-Atlantic Region Sales Manager, so I actually opened that office for Quantum. I was hired to do that, and then I, was, uh, I hired staff and so on and was there on September 11th. When uh, the building was attacked, we were going to be conducting some 
sales training some of our reseller partners. So um, I think the story is more about, for me anyway, how I got there and um, of course what happened later than even that day. Um, what happened to me on September 11th was the same thing that happened to many thousands of other people <clears throat> who were in the towers who um, suffered through the attacks, if you will, and then escaped. But of course the difference is that I happened to be blind and I used a guide dog at that time it was Roselle. And the media got the story and people were intrigued. I think that sort of typifies that people think that it's just amazing that a blind person could do that sort of thing. And the reality is it's not. Blindness isn't what defines me or any of the almost two million people who happen to be blind, but, but people think it is. And so nowadays, as I travel and speak, which I do full time, one of the things that I have the opportunity to do is to try to educate people about the fact that blindness isn't the problem, it's our attitudes about blindness that tend to be more the problem than anything else. Um, or it's the fact that we make everything so visual that we leave out all of our other senses and we don't tend to try to make things inclusive for people who may not be able to see or be able to use their eyesight to the fullest. And that includes a lot more than blind people. But the bottom line for me is that I was in the World Trade Center and yeah, we did get out. We had some guests, uh, a colleague, David Frank, got them to the stairs and started them down. Then David came back and we then, after making sure no one else was in the office, we went to the stairs and we started down. It took about 45 minutes to get down the stairs. Wow. And then when we got down the stairs, um, we were in the lobby, which was pretty chaotic because no one really knew what was going on and the police and the FBI and the Port Authority police in New York fire department were all there telling people where they wanted them to go, which was not outside, but into the central part of the World Trade Center and then through the complex to doors as far away from the towers as we could be. We had no idea what had happened and no one was telling us. And I'm sure that was because they didn't want panic on the stairs or panic any more than necessary in the lobby. <clears throat> For my part, I would rather have known. Mm -hmm. And I can say with a very high degree of certainty that I don't care what the information is, I would rather know what it is because that way I can make better decisions about what I'm supposed to do or what I need to do. However, they weren't telling us and they didn't know me, so uh, we went out uh, through the ways that they wanted us to and then discovered the Tower 2 was on fire when we got outside, again, not knowing why. And what we did at that point was to just decide to leave the area where we were told to leave the complex. We went over to Broadway and started walking north on Broadway, and we were at Broadway and Maiden Lane, which is the street that goes down to the New York Stock Exchange, when <clears throat> David wanted to take some pictures of what he could see of the fire in Tower 2 because we were a lot closer by the time we got to Maiden Lane. So he did that. I tried to call my wife. I had called her just before we left to let her know that we were leaving, that there had been an explosion or something, and we didn't know what, and it hadn't even got to the television reporters by that time. Scooped Good Morning America by eight minutes, I love to tell people, but, you know, I don't get credit for it, so that's okay. And, and so um, <clears throat> I tried to call my wife, Karen, when we were standing at Main Lane and Broadway. I couldn't get through. The circus were busy. Uh, I had just put my phone away, and David was putting his camera away when Tower 2 collapsed right in front of us. So literally everyone ran for their lives. David ran, 
fell around and ran back the way we came to try to get some distance between us and Tower 2. When I got to the next street, which was Fulton Street, I turned right. We ran along Fulton Street, actually caught up to David. It turns out he had gone the same way. And uh, then we continued to run. We, we were engulfed in the dust cloud from the breakup of Tower 2. We all, uh, well, there were just the, the three of us, me, David, and Roselle. We <clears throat> knew we had to get inside and out of that dust cloud, so we were looking for an entrance into the building that we were running next to. And the first thing we found was the entrance to the subway station. So we went down into the subway station. Uh, we met an employee of the station who took us to an employee locker room where there were some other people. And there we stayed until a police officer came and told us to leave, and so we did. We went back upstairs and walked further away from the complex. And we're about a quarter of a mile away, I'd say, maybe a little more, when Tower 1 collapsed, our tower. So we were far enough away that we didn't think we would be injured um, and hit by any debris. But David did see another dust cloud coming, so we kind of ran to the side to get out of most of it. After it all passed, then we discovered that Tower 1 had indeed collapsed. I tried to call my wife, and this time I got through, and she's the first one who told us how two aircraft had crashed into the Twin Towers, one into the Pentagon, and a fourth was still missing over Pennsylvania. Wow. You know, the it, day we spent time getting up uh, toward home, and later that night I, I did finally get home. You know, it, you're taking us back to the events of that day, and um, as you're, you're talking about the events, you never say that Roselle led you down the stairs or led you uh, elsewhere that day. Why, why do you not refer to your guide dog leading you? The answer is because she wasn't leading. A guide dog's job is to make sure that I walk safely. It's not the dog's job to know where to go and how to get there. Most people think it is. They think that these dogs are so amazing, and they're well-trained, but there are many dogs that do amazing things. The dog is not a mind reader. I would, I can go anywhere, and the dog doesn't know where the restrooms are. The dog doesn't know where different things are. It's not her job. The job of the dog is to take a command when I say forward. The dog's job is to go forward until she can't anymore, like there's a curb, something blocking the road, or whatever. And as we're walking along the sidewalk or running, which we have done, and we did certainly on September 11th, she'll go around things that are in our way if she can. If she can't, she'll stop and wait for me to tell her what I want her to do. If you will, she's the pilot, I'm the navigator. It's my job as team leader, and make no mistake about it, I am, in every sense of the word, the team leader. It is a team. Um, my job is to be the one to direct and give her information and also encourage her, uh, make sure that she's doing her job well. So doing all the things that any team leader would do. But everyone says, oh, your dog led you down the stairs. No, she didn't. In fact, a lot of the time, when the crowd, when it was pretty crowded on the stairs, I didn't even use the harness. I was using a leash, and she was actually at heel slightly behind me, mm -hmm. and I was uh, using the stair rail. Mm -hmm. But guide dogs do not lead, they guide. And it's important distinction. That's, that's very interesting. I think a lot of people don't realize that. Um, so that is inter very interesting information. Now tell us why you actually wrote, you wrote two books, Thunderdog and Running with Roselle. Tell us why you wrote those books. 
people where they could buy the book, Michael, or the, both the books, actually? Well, they can always go to our website, www.michaelhingson, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-H-I-N-G-S-O-N.com. And the only reason that I say that is that any books that we sell come autographed, and we got a paw print uh, on a stamp from Roselle's paw, actually six days before she passed, not knowing that she was as ill as she was. So we autograph and potograph every book. But people can buy books uh, anywhere. Thunderdog is sold at Barnes & Noble, of course, Amazon, anywhere bookstores are, uh, books are sold. Running with Roselle is available through Amazon and Barnes & Noble as well. Okay, we, we appreciate the information. We're running out of time, but we appreciate you spending time with us today, Michael. It's been very informative. Best of luck to you, and thank you for all the work you do. Thank you very much. Take care, Michael. Now, this is Michael's joke. Why do radio radio announcers have small hands? Why? 
We pause for station identification. <laughs> and speaking of that, WKDW 97.5 Northport Real Community Radio. Pets teach us so much. Thank you, Joseph. On cue. Our next guest is Nancy Hassel. She's the founder and president of the American Pet Professionals, a business networking and educational organization for the pet industry founded in 2009. Nancy is also a public relations professional for the pet industry. She co-hosts a boutique trade show in New York City for pet product manufacturers, and she's taught responsible dog ownership classes to over 2,500 pet Parents. She is the proud owner of an American pit bull terrier rescue named Cody. So, Nancy, welcome to the show. We're so Hi, happy Nancy. to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So, you know, there's a little bit, you're here today to kind of clear up a little bit of a misconception. Um, after so many scares for pet owners, for products that were made overseas, maybe products that our pets shouldn't be eating, that was actually killing animals, tell us what pet parents should look for when they're looking for made-in-the-USA pet products. Well, for anything that is treat or pet food or made-in-the-USA, you know, it can be tricky for a pet parent, especially the new pet parents that aren't sure what to look for. They'll see a little American flag um, on the packaging and think, oh, it's made in the USA. But if you flip it over, a lot of times it's not necessarily made and sourced in the USA. And what that means is ingredients are sourced here and the product is fully made here. Sometimes it's um, some ingredients made in the USA um, and other ingredients might not be from the USA. Um, so, you know, you really have to be diligent about what you're looking on the packaging for. Um, just because somebody puts the flag on there, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything is sourced. And I'm, I'm very picky about it when it comes to pet food. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because of everything that is in the news. So talk to us a little bit about the difference between made in the USA and manufactured in the USA. Sure. So, you know, there's made in the USA. Um, again, I'm thinking about it when it comes to food or treats, but then there's manufactured in the USA. So oftentimes some of the products, uh, whether it's a pet toy or bedding or whatever, you know, might be um, fully have, have resources sourced from other countries and then it's manufactured here in the USA. So kind of like a, a, when you think of a car assembly that maybe all the parts are not necessarily made in the USA but it's assembled in the USA. So that's what it means when it says manufactured. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, wonderful companies that have great products from other countries but you should always know what the difference is. That is uh, definitely interesting because I never really thought about it. Have you ever, honey? Not at all. I mean, it just never occurred to me to... Well, I did start paying more attention with this when we were having so many problems with the products coming from China, yeah. whether it was paint, the product. Yeah, you know. absolutely. So now... And, and you know... I'm sorry, I was just going to say, you know, with the food thing, you know, there's recalls in the United States by products, pet product companies made in the USA, but most of them are precautionary recalls, something that just so the animal wouldn't get sick or the human handling the product wouldn't get sick. Um, it's usually never anything um, terrible, but, you know, you, you could also see that sometimes and be like, but that's made in the USA, it was recalled, but most of the times it's voluntarily done by the company, so you should always just uh, consider that as well, that it is a precaution that they take. So what can we do to get more Made in the USA products into our local stores? 
So buy them. <laughs> yeah. One of the first things to do. You know, I actually have one of my retail members um, here in New York has a retail store, and she has 90% made in USA pet products in her store, which to me is incredibly impressive. Um, she doesn't carry anything food-wise that's not made in USA, and most of the toys, bedding, and uh, leashes and collars and stuff like that are made in USA. So, you know, buy them. Make sure you go to stores and request them. Say, hey, you know, I have found this great product. I know it's made in USA. Um, you know, really want to support this company that has employees in the USA and all the materials are from here. You know, how can we get that? So buy them, request them. And you'd be surprised the more you request it to the store owner, the more they're going to say, hey, you know what, that's a really good idea. We'd love to have that product in our store. Or maybe the store owner didn't even know about the product. Mm -hmm. And it's for them a great way for them to do it. And, you know, it's the old... Um cost of sourcing it comes back to with everything in the United yeah. States you know it's all up all up in the news now about where things are manufactured and the cost <laughs> of manufacturing but um, these are all very good points so um, what other advice can you give to new pet parents that are not sure if a product is made here or not you know, again, it's, you know, my thing is I know a lot of really great companies that not everything that they sell is made in USA. On the other hand, I also know a lot of really great pet companies that make a point of selling things in the USA. And so, obviously, you know, some points come up to price factors. So people assume that because it's made in the USA that it's going to be more costly to buy something for their new dog or their new cat. And that's not always true. Um, there's a lot of companies out there that have very competitive pricing to stuff that's outsourced to other countries. So I would say, you know, if that's important to you as a pet parent, you know, try to do your research. There's um, sections in pet magazines for consumers now that they have made in USA featured products. It's really been a trending thing, which seems crazy to me, but it's been a trending thing over the last probably four or five years. Um, and more companies are bringing manufacturing back to the USA. There are some things that, you know, like you said, for cost uh, per reasoning or it's not manufactured here, it's hard. Like, a, for instance, metal on, like, a really nice um, dog collar. Um, you know, they may not necessarily be able to get that here. But the leather or the actual collar might be manufactured and sourced here, otherwise all the material. So, you know, you have to really think, like, that's a really great thing that they're doing. That's a lot of good information, Nancy. Now, um, you are a, a pet mama to a American Pit Bull Terrier. We could find more information at Adventures with Cody the Blue Nose. Yes, you could see all his crazy, silly antics. I've had him for a year and a half. I adopted him after he was in the animal shelter for six months. He oh. loves everybody and everything. He's quite <laughs> the character. He's a lot of fun. Uh, very, very good dog. Oh, that's <laughs> so, good. Uh, he's yeah, he's my second pet. I had a Doberman, but he's just, you know, people say to me all the time, oh, I want that dog. I'm like, go to your local animal shelter. There's plenty of dogs for adoption just like him. So, there you go. Thank uh, you so yeah, much yeah. for joining us, Nancy, and we'll talk again soon. Have a great day. Take care, Nancy. Thanks, guys. You too. Thanks. So Alrighty. That's, you know, good information. And Nancy was talking about made in the USA and it's funny I just read an article about how millennials are becoming very picky uh, they actually have cats more cats than dogs as their uh, pet of choice. choice and what's happening is 
the new generation is very into reading um, the ingredients. And like Nancy said, where is it manufactured? Where does it come from? So as a result of that, uh, the cat treat market has opened up and become a very high-end place uh, because the millennials are reading uh, about the cat treats and they're willing to spend their hard-earned money on cat treats. I give anybody that wants to put the time in for their pet and to do the research, it's going to work out better in the long run. Yeah. Especially with the cat's health. Do you want to translate that? Better treats. Good information. Also, it's another little when purchasing tip. These are for my lady friends out there that want to buy cosmetics. Very much in the news lately, looking at whether or not cosmetics are animal tested. So some of the brands... So you mean animal tested. In other words, the cosmetic companies are using the chemicals that they use to make on the, or the cosmetics on the animal themselves to test it. Yeah. To see if they're going to get a if rash, a reaction. Yes, that's horrible. Oh, they've been doing that for years. I know. I didn't think they were still doing that. Yeah, and mostly rabbits. Rabbits are big. They use rabbits, and they do a lot with their poor little eyes. I know. It's horrible. So there are some brands that um, actually do not test on animals, one of them being Urban Decay, available at Sephora. Burt's Bees, of course, available at so many locations. We like our Burt's Bees for our lips. Yes, the Burt's Bees. Uh, crazy Rumors at Whole Foods. And then again, we were using it a lot more in the cold weather. <laughs> Don't use it as much here. We do not need it so much in Florida. Uh, the Elixiri at Elixiri.com. Zuzu Deluxe Dual Powder at a Whole Foods. So really, Whole Foods and your and your organic supermarkets, your larger organic hmm. supermarkets are going to carry uh, organic and not animal tested for the most part. But just check. Um, Black Dahlia Lacquer. This is on Etsy or at BlackDahliaLacquer.com. This is a, it was an interesting one. It's a mother-daughter team from Texas, and they're actually handcrafting vegan polishes, nail polish, without the potentially cancer-causing ingredients found in other lacquers. And they do have a lot of colors available. And this, is, this information is from where? This information is from All Animals, which is a publication from the Humane Society of the United States of America. Excellent. Uh, and just check uh, to a couple other brands. Acura Organics uh, in Target. Dr. Bonner's is in Target. Rite Aid Whole Foods. And uh, Prey Ageless uh, Face Forward Cream. So you look beautiful. Found on their website. P-R-A-I. Uh, beauty.com so worth looking into if you want to be kind excellent to our animal friends now joseph another test no <laughs> not another test this is something that has hit the internet taking it by storm it was daniel the duck on the airplane. Oh, we saw him. Right? Did you duck. see it on the news? Did you see little Daniel there? He's a there? Ther therapy duck, right? He's a therapy duck. And the the conversation out of that was, eh, this is, uh, you know, a lot of what we heard. 
And the therapy duck, who has a therapy duck? It's stupid. And a duck can be, how can a duck be a therapy? Or a pig. Or these animals that are not in your dog or cat category. How can that be? Well, we wanted to give you the backstory of Daniel the duck because it is absolutely fascinating. The woman who owns Daniel was a uh, horse-drawn carriage driver in downtown Milwaukee. Wow. What happened was somebody was paying more attention to their phone than the road, and this woman slammed into the back of her horse carriage, sent her flying onto a metal grate drawbridge, crushed the carriage like a Coke can, gave her a 2,000-pound percher on it. If you know horses, it's yeah. a giant draft breed horse. That is a... Gave the horse actually whiplash, and it took this woman, uh, her name is Fitzgerald, uh, it's her last name, it took her months to learn how to walk again, four oh. months just to learn how to walk again. She said her brain wasn't communicating with her right leg and it atrophied. Lots and lots of physical therapy, and it took her more than a year to get back to using her left arm. She now suffers with chronic pain and post-traumatic stress disorder. She simply doesn't travel or do crowds without Daniel the Duck, who has the knack for gauging her moves. Now, a lot of you can say, well, what does Daniel do? What's a duck going to do? Here's what Daniel does. He has a calming effect, and if she starts... Heading towards PTSD, he senses it, and he's able to calm her down. If she's standing, he'll climb on her legs. And if she's sitting, he'll face her, he'll climb on her chest, and that's a cue for her to lay down. Wow. Then he sits on her chest until it passes. Then once it passes, we go about her day, she said. Oh, what a cool duck. Now, this to me is news. Why didn't anybody report, you know, it's just, oh, there's a therapy duck, you know. Uh, this is the important part Do here. Do not ask a question. That you don't. That you don't want the answer for, especially when it comes to today's media. I and know. And I'll leave that alone right uh, there. I know. She actually adopted Daniel the duckling when he was just two days old, and he imprinted on her. And now that, uh, as far as Daniel's concerned, he's a person with feathers and not a duck. What happens is um, she's actually taken him on play dates with other ducks, <laughs> but he wants nothing to do with the other ducks. He has a playroom in the house. She's taken to Disney to see Donald. <laughs> Don't be so goofy. <laughs> Uh, he has a playroom with all kinds of toys in it. He has keyboards and buttons that he can push and it plays a song. That's what he wants to play with all day long. And if the batteries go out, he pitches a fit. He'll stomp his feet, he'll huff, he'll raise his hackles, and he will give her stink eye. Can you believe that? Give me batteries. Give me batteries. Daniel? Well, you better make friends with the bunny then. Yeah, the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> So Daniel usually wakes her up around 8.30, and then they begin their routine. What he likes to do first thing in the morning is to get in the tub, and he takes a shower. So first he's got to pedal around the tub. Yes, he likes to shower. Then, then okay, then I want my shower. Wait, 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 what happens is when he's finished with his shower, he'll yell, quack, weep, weep, weep. Let me repeat that in case you didn't get it. It's 
quack. Bweep, bweep, bweep. Got it. Then she'll take him to the changing table and ask, which one do you want? Now he gets to pick out his duck diaper. Because if you remember the picture, he that's had on what... red booties and a Captain America duck diaper. Okay, that's how he does it. Okay. Okay. Ahead. So he usually does prefer the Captain America diaper. Okay. He likes that one best of all. And then um, what happens during the day is Daniel will check on Fitzgerald and uh, get some little ducky kisses. And he loves to be tickled. And on the plane, what happened was he waddled on in his Captain America diapers and red shoes. And everybody was, of course, taken aback. And uh, he sat in his seat. And a writer sat next to them. And he snapped the pictures in. He paid for the seat, right? Well, I think he sat on her lap. Oh, okay. Because he had a stroller. Okay, okay. So, because I guess he can't. You know, we met a guy with a guy with a duck. <laughs> Walks into a bar. We know a guy. We know a guy. <laughs> he has a duck, and he had diapers in the stroller. Yes, he did. Yes, we did, a, very part. we did a story we on did a that. Show on him. We did a show on that. Oh, that was our tele. We did a television show. Yes, on him. yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the little duck with the diapers. Yeah. Now Daniel's actually an Indian runner duck. It's an Indonesian breed. It's a cer- he is a certified emotional support duck. He's four years old, and um, so he went to school to go to cert. No, he didn't. He didn't like take class. Does he have to go to continuing duck education <laughs> to get his CEUs <laughs> <laughs> to make sure he maintains it? But you know, he is actually a flightless breed. Ooh. So perhaps he was gazing out the window, looking in the clouds, wondering if, in fact, what it was like to fly and imagining what it would be. Well, like. we did a story on a. I don't know if it was an eagle or some one, one a bird of prey that couldn't fly, and a guy took him up in his gyrocopter, his his um his his uh one of those light airplanes, his ultralight, his ultralight. Thing. He had him in the ultralight. He had him yeah. strapped to the front, and he had his snoot out, it and was, he's flying around I with the other. Kind of remember what And the other ducks about. came around. The other yeah. birds came around and flew with him. It was a duck fest. Right, they were all around him, and he was inside the. Uh, the whatever kind of plane was that again? Uh, ultralight. Ultralight. Like yeah, he was in the ultralight. Cockpit. I should like remember the that. The guys in the firehouse had those. Ugh. And you know what they said if a plane came near them? Why? Duck! <laughs> <laughs> You're walking well, into so many good jokes today. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I think you got a wise crack out of it. <laughs> <laughs> wise crack. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> One last story, or there's actually uh, something. Uh, let's 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 talk about this. This is important. We need to talk about uh, Kimberly Gautier's article because she wrote a very interesting article about three natural supplements for healing her dog's joint injury. Yeah. And just something to think about. Go to keepthetailwagging.com. Um, she used some uh, turmeric turmeric powder some new pro joint supplement and diatomaceous earth for we were talking joints. about that in the last show did we talk about this yeah one? we did talk about that All in right. the last show okay sorry because but no, I'm glad you brought I'm that still up. fixated we, on I'm it. glad you brought that up again because we had some emails and they were and they were concerned about the diatomaceous earth was that really one of the ingredients yes and that is Excellent. again okay. reference uh, keep the tail wagging down we listen to our listeners yes listening is important um, now you know, a lot of big box stores have um, 
salmon available now. You okay. can get a big old hunk of salmon or... Not like that box of salmon that we had that we got. Oh, let me just tell you, we bought a salmon, it was around the holidays, and it was like smoked salmon. Unbeknownst to me, it was packed in oil. And it had one of those shelf lights, those shelf lights, like forever. 20 million years. Yeah. So we go to open it up, and a wave of oily salmon, oil, I mean, it had to be a cup of and oil. Stench. And funk. Salmon Salmon stench. funk. Went over the counter to underneath the stove. It All right, everywhere. It was. It just. It just. I don't know what happened. It, the oil just went everywhere. I mean, I oil. had to pull the stove out, the refrigerator out. It, it was. And you can't clean it up. You have to get like the strongest. What I ended up using was Simple Green. You don't like to use Simple Green in the house, but it was the only thing I could find that would break down the oil. Simple of the Green salmon. is organic, isn't it? Yeah, but the smell. Remember the smell it of Simple Green? It was funk. It yeah. was just funk. But that killed it. That that was the only thing that that worked. And now back to salmon. Oh, <laughs> So salmon are raised in farms now, in a lot of uh, societies. You know, not just in the United States, all over the place. So, but what's happening? Tell me, a grizzly's got to go to the farm now to get. No, <laughs> what's happening is these salmon are getting depressed because they're being—they don't like the environment because they're in these big nets. Cage. Now I don't know if you saw on—I um, think it was 60 Minutes or one of the shows—they ha- they were moving these big nets. So of is that cha- changing the the? the- the consistency of the fish, the, the taste. And they're the, dying. Oh, they're dying. The fish are dying. They, wow. they And, you know, they're saying that emotionally they're they're actually doing autopsies or fish topsies or salmon topsies on these fish that die. Right. And, and what they're finding is that the brain levels of uh, stress hormone are the same as a human that is depressed. Well, they do have fish in habitat, other fish in habitat, that are like catfish and stuff. Yeah, they have they have the the nets up, but it's mm-hmm. a much larger area. Yeah, they're in their own environment. Yep, they can't leave a certain area, but they are. You know, we pass a place that has a sign that says fishery. Yes, and it's in the natural environment. But basically. I don't think they're not raising them to eat them. They're raising them to release and yeah, the that's wild. true too. That's so true too. it's not just the fact that these want to be. Uh, well, these guys know they're going to be on the table. Don't say that. I mean, when they're in the wild, you, when they're in the wild, they got a chance, you know. I know, I, and it makes you wonder. You know, people say, "Oh, I'm, I'm a veg, I'm a pescatarian." Well, you know, here's another report that's it's probably about like that movie that we didn't see about the food. That thought they were when they get, were going to take it to a home, and they were all happy. What the, the movie that just released? That oh, I thought out. you were talking about Soil and Green. No, <laughs> no, I'm talking about the movie about the sausages and everything. They were all happy. Remember the stop motion movie that just got oh, released? Oh, yeah. Um, um, it's yeah, whatever the name of it was. That movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I figured that the fish think that everything's all great until they find out they're going to, you know, hey, they're getting served. Eaten. Oh, my gosh. Well, anyway. guess what's not for dinner? <laughs> I'm not eating salmon anymore, poor little. No, I really felt bad when I read that they don't, they don't gain weight. It's too competitive. No. They're calling them drop I'm going to go out fish. to the stream. I'll stand next to a grizzly. And I'll take my Where, chances Well, here, there. you're going to stand next to it. Well, they don't have salmon here. I was going to say stand next to an alligator. Uh-huh. But no. And I like the fact that therapy dogs are being, and animals are being accepted into restaurants and uh, to different shops and things like that. I think that speaks well. I've seen people. animals act a heck of a lot better than some kids in restaurants. Well, 
I mean, I think that the majority of therapy pets as a whole. Look at know. the mess that was left at that one table. Ugh. Under the table, on top of the table, in between the cushions. Yeah, pick up your mess, people. If if a dog made a mess like that, there would be outrage. But a kid leaving a mess, that how is hard. that okay? It's not okay. It's not okay, people. It's not okay. So, Joseph, tell us, what did you learn from pets today? Wow. You know, I, I usually always come back with something being funny or off the cuff. But this time I'm going to be serious. I really did not know that guide dogs did not lead the way. Yeah. I, you know, when you see them walking down the street, I guess they're looking for the next command and making sure there's nothing in the way and they'll stop and they'll do whatever they have to do for their, for their, for their owner. But I learned a lot. I, I didn't, too. I didn't know guide dogs were not the, the one in charge. I do too. I, I thought it was very interesting time spent with Michael today. So if you love pets and you want to help us continue supporting them, like the TPPC TV page on Facebook. Be kind to your pets. Thanks so much for your support. And until next week, WKDW 97.5 Northport Real Community Radio Pets Teaches So Much. Woofie Woo. woo. Lives in